<laughs> neurons that fire together wire together. Welcome back, Neurons, to another episode of the Neon Neuron Podcast. This week, I had the great pleasure of sitting with your friendly neighborhood flower fairy, Manon Marguerite. We had a great conversation. We spoke at length about her brand, Strawberry Skies Design, which you could find on Instagram or strawberryskiesdesign.com. Fashion for the environmentally conscious babe. Manon gives us a little insight into how Strawberry Skies began, where the name comes from, which I'm always interested in how people come up with their names. And this was a very interesting story as well. I think there was a little, a little bit of magic that goes into a lot of what Manon does. And I have to say, I love it. I like what she stands for. I like what her brand stands for. And I really like the conversation we had, and I hope you like it too. Now, before I continue, this is not a paid production. We have zero sponsors. Our sponsors are the people I interview. So I want to say again, you can follow Manon on Instagram at Manon Marguerite and follow her shop, Strawberry Skies Design, on Instagram as well. Visit her online, strawberryskies.com, because that is the only way we grow as a community is by helping and supporting each other and not by depending on large corporations to buy us out and completely grind us into the ground. Now with that anti-capital sentiment, let's get on with the with the conversation. I hope you enjoy. It just wasn't as fun as it used to be and I don't know if that's because like, that was even before they changed the rules. I think it was after they sold to Yahoo, maybe. I'm, I can't really remember exactly the story behind it, but, yeah, I just remember it became less fun. Yeah, and uh, you were posting more Lolita than you... Are you still uh, part of the Lolita, Lolita culture? No, I'm not anymore. I was until about 2014. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. Okay. So that was pretty much as soon as I started following you was when you were on your yeah. way out. So like I used to still post a lot of Lolita stuff, I think back then, like I would reblog it a lot because mm. I really liked the aesthetic. It's just like, I didn't wear it anymore personally. Like, and I used to make Lolita clothing as well. Like my brand used to be a Lolita brand and I, um, yeah, I just stopped making or wearing Lolita clothing. Um, Is it just I, something that you feel like you grew out of or? A little bit, yeah. I think I was interested in other styles as well. I wanted to branch out a bit, and I felt like I don't think that like the the Lolita fashion has any age limit on it. But I felt like for me personally, I had outgrown it. Like it just didn't feel right for me anymore. And I looked in the mirror, and I felt like really kind of silly in a way. And I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know That's why. That's too bad. But, yeah. yeah. No, I can understand. It's it almost just the like the aesthetic itself almost looks very costumey. And it does yeah. feel, yeah. So I see what you're. I totally understand what you're saying, and what I, you're doing now is very, like, very elegant and kind of almost the opposite of what Lolita fashion represents. Almost. Well, if I, or correct me if I'm misunderstanding that. I mean, like for me, like I don't. 
I'm not sure that like Lolita fashion like necessarily represents anything. It's different for everybody who wears it. Mm-hmm. And like especially when there's all the, there's so many different styles of Lolita too. Like I think like classic Lolita is like very elegant in itself. Like and I think even though like my what I'm wearing now is like very very different to Lolita style. There's still some aesthetics that are like kind of inspired like in terms of like like lots of like bows or ribbons and like this still like girly kind of aesthetic. I feel like it's still influenced my current style. It's just that I've made it into something a bit more mature or like a bit more me. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, that does. Because I'm looking at, uh, what is it, like the fifth picture you have posted on the uh, Strawberry Skies design. And it's got this huge, elegant bow right on the front of it. And yeah. it's really drapey. Yeah. With, yeah, it's really, really elegant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, the Hang on, let me just, yeah, I, I shouldn't see the one you mean. Um I feel like too, like, I mean, it's just me, I like experimenting with fashion and I think that that's what people should do. Like, um, I think like that kind of design that I created could look really cute, like over the top of a Lolita dress even. Like, I feel like you could dress it up or down, like either way. And I kind of want to make designs that are able to be in that like sweet spot in the middle of like, you can make it something really elegant or you could make it something really cutesy. Yeah. And I see how you style it. Yeah, and that's you've been like. There's a few pictures on there too, that where people are wearing like long sleeve shirts under your outfits and yeah. layering like, and it looks it's extremely versatile. And it really, it's not just like something you're doing like like a punk fashion, but it's it really works well like that. Yeah, I, I really want to make something that's. <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going a bit strange. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to make something that's a bit more versatile like that because I think like you know the more that the more wear you can get out of a garment, then like the more value it has in your wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so how did uh, how did it all come to the? How did it all come to you making your own fashion? Like, what's the drive? Um. Well, I started making my own clothing. I mean, like I've been sewing since I was a kid because I have like both of my grandparents. Sorry, my grandmother's sewed, and um. I used to make clothing for Barbies and things like I've always kind of grown up like knowing how to make my own clothes and I think I was just like started I started making Lolita clothing because I couldn't afford like the like big like Japanese brands at the time I was I was a university student I was like well I know how to sew um I can do this (laughs) this is a great idea you know (laughs) um and at first yeah like they were all they were all terrible I actually like I went and got a bunch of them out of storage recently and was looking at them I was like oh I'm so ashamed these can never see the light of day <laughs> um but is there no but, redemption for it like nothing you could do to be like oh I, I could rework this into like a new pattern or a new something or other like I think like a lot of them like the the idea was there and like I could I could definitely like take them apart and redo them but then I wouldn't I wouldn't wear them at this stage anyway so there's not mm. much point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, anyway, and eventually I got better at making them and I started posting them on Live Journal. Um, the we had, Live like, Journal. <laughs> yes, Live Journal, the, you know, back in the early, the early know, days of the internet. The early days, yeah, no, like 2010, I guess, 2011, mm. when Live Journal was a thing. And they had, there was a group called Sololi. And I used to post my creations there and people started to like them and uh, people asked me if I'd do commissions or if I'd ever sell my designs and I just kind of started that way from like selling. 
So it was a kind of a really organic thing for me to start my own brand. Mm. Where does the name Strawberry Skies come from? Um, well, basically, I had a bunch of words that I liked. I wrote them all on like a big piece of paper, ripped it up and put them all in a hat <laughs> and just kind of like picked two out. And I, I kept picking like a few out until I found ones that I thought sounded good together. So not completely random? Not completely random, but yeah, it it could have been anything, I guess. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> There's a little bit of magic to that. And at the same time, you're kind of controlling the magic. So it's not like a chaos magic. It's like you're I, I just controlled magic. I think I said it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, like whatever came out of the hat second, I must have been like, oh, that sounds wrong. Let's pick another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was considering, because when I first started my brand, obviously it was like Lolita, and then it went more into just like generally like kawaii, more like Harajuku style. And then I stopped designing for about 18 months. I was just focused on work and living in Tokyo and things like that. And then when I started again, I considered like changing my brand name. I was just like, oh, I've had Strawberry Skies for so long. Like, I think I want to stick with it. You know, everyone mm. knows Everyone knows that name, even if the aesthetic's a little bit different. And I, I kind of like that when um, people stick with the name, but they just kind of do a whole repackaging rather than a complete change. And I, I have three daughters, and they're on uh, social media, or two of them are. One of them's not supposed to be, but she is. <laughs> and they're constantly changing their names on it. And I'm like, you guys, you gotta, you gotta pick a name and just run with it. You know keep it and that's what people are going to know you by and that's that's what you yeah. sell and i think with the neon neuron i started off as the neon engine and uh -huh. then um there was a, a car that was popular at the time called the neon and so i was like uh every time i would search neon engine it would always show this car and diagrams of the engine so i was like okay i need to i need to come up with something else and so then from there i came up with the neon neuron i don't even remember how but the whole repackaging is totally cool i like that yeah i like I, I like the alliteration too like neon neuron has a good alliteration like strawberry skies has good alliteration yeah. like, i like that i want to say that i think it's called assonance when there's similar sounds throughout the the sentence or the word but my kids keep telling me that's wrong that's wrong that's not right oh, that's so i'm like all right whatever it is it sounds great <laughs> i'm not sure and how's um how's uh like your community or the support or uh, like going from Live Journal, Tumblr to Instagram? I think Instagram seems like you really found a following. Yeah, Instagram has been good. Instagram has its ups and downs. Yeah. Like in any social media, they keep changing their algorithm, which is you know it's annoying. But like I feel like I found like the right niche there. But it has been like really amazing. Like there's a lot of people who have followed me since my Tumblr days. And, you know, are still following me now, which is uh, really, I really appreciate that. But yeah, Instagram has been good. Um, and also I use Twitter a lot these days. I find Twitter is really good for artists and creative people. I'm finding that it's getting better. I used to hate Twitter. I couldn't stand Twitter for me was as bad as Facebook with how toxic <laughs> it's getting. And, but it seems like a lot of, a lot of good artists are using Twitter now. So I might kind of jump back into Twitter. Yeah, I think you have to be uh, you have to be really selective with uh, what you engage in on Twitter. Yeah, you <laughs> do. It can, it can get very angry on there, and I don't like that at all. But I think like if you if you find the right circle of people, it can be really good because there's a lot of opportunity for your work to kind of 
you know, get broadcast into like different circles. Whereas like on Instagram, it's kind of like whoever's following you is who sees your posts. And it's, there's not really much opportunity for it to get advertised to other people unless you pay for advertising. Whereas with Twitter, anybody can reblog it and then it's or retweet it and then their followers see it. So there's more opportunity to kind of expand. Is Instagram at the moment, I feel like, is a bit stagnant. And since you put it that way, it sounds really, really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I guess I just wasn't thinking broad enough. <laughs> but uh, um, well, yeah, Instagram is always like, promote this post, and then you click on it, and it's like, for 20 bucks, you can do this. It's like, oh, well, I got to pay them now. <laughs> yeah. The same as, I mean, it's because Facebook bought them, I guess. They, um, they, they're just doing the Facebook thing. Yeah. When it comes to like, uh, you said college, is this what you went to college for or to school for? I went to university for textiles. Okay. So I majored in textiles and I minored in photography and art history. So basically with textiles, um, we learned more about like materials and different kind of like, um, how do I say, like fabric techniques, like things like screen printing or felting or dyeing fabrics, weaving, like not actually like sewing garments, but like more about the, the materials before you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we learned like a lot of different textile arts, like knitting, thing, yeah, like a lot of things. Do you do any of, have you done or have you thought about doing anything knit-wise? Like I know that's really popular trend here in the U.S. right now is knitting garments. Yeah, I... I haven't thought of anything doing like like traditional like with yarn or anything, but I have thought I have a lot of um because I work with a vintage kimono mm-hmm. and I I use the fabric from them, but they they're all lined and they are all lined with silk, and I've been thinking about using that to knit with to make wow. something. But um, it's still something that I'm trying to work out how to how to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, as, like, so you work like mostly with uh silk like is it silk kimonos kimonos yeah. are only silk right if i'm not mistaken most of them are silk most of the ones i work with are silk some customers are vegan so they rec- they um, request synthetic and in that case then i'll buy synthetic ones that's interesting silk is not vegan huh. no, no so um actually the silk ones die in the process of making silk. Oh, is, I didn't. I didn't know that. Man, that's terrible. It's quite. It's quite sad. Which is why these like why these fabrics are so precious and why I want to um kind of give them a new life because obviously like all of the kimono I work with, they're older ones. They they have some damage on them, so they're sold quite cheaply or they're dead stock, and they don't. You know, they can't be worn as kimono anymore. But most of the fabric is still okay, mm. and um, and like I just think it's so sad because like. The, the fabric is so precious and like not only like the silk and the you know the amount of silkworms that went into it but also just like the the craftsmanship on a lot of the printing or the dyeing techniques that are used is like so incredible that yeah i just think it's a shame and if they're not kind of repurposed into something yeah and that's that's um probably one of the better things to do with it instead of just letting it go to waste is to repurpose it so yeah, yeah. Is that part of the um, environmentally conscious? Yeah, definitely. Nice. So that's one of the reasons I started working with this fabric. Is well, it's actually one of the reasons I stopped designing for a long time is because I felt too kind of guilty being a part of the fashion industry with all that, with all of the harm that it does, and kind of wanted to work out a way that was like 
environmentally and ethically friendly, but also like still my aesthetic. Like, yeah. I didn't want to just I don't want to just start working with like organic cotton in beige and, you know, doing what so many other like ethical and like sustainable fabric, com- sorry, fashion companies do is fine. It's like, Oh, there's already enough of that. And it's not, I won't be happy making that kind of stuff anyway. Uh, yeah. Fashion. My, my wife is a huge fan of America's next top model. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I I can't stand that show. And I personally, I think that show brought the fashion industry down. You think so? Yeah, just because it was it, it kind of. And this is just my perspective. It kind of turned it into like a circus. I've never actually watched America's Next Top Model. So oh, don't start now. I know. I know. I, that's, that's one of the reasons I have it. Um, the only <laughs> thing I've ever watched of it is um, somebody sharing like the makeover thing where they get their hair done that's yeah. the only thing i've seen i don't know what like what happens in the show so why do you think what do you think about it has made it into a circus or uh i guess the drama the um the caricature of fashion people that it just portrays it's like uh i don't want to say the worst of the worst but it really really kind of paints yeah. like a like like a mad magazine you know mad magazine yeah 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 it's like a mad magazine version of what the what the fashion industry probably really is i guess like with with uh, like reality tv they always dramatize everything and it's... yeah uh, see and that's the problem too is you know that there's producers backstage just pushing it as far as yeah. people are willing to go so you know like it's not, hands. yeah exactly and you know it's not real but people portray it as real and then people will start believing like oh this is how you have to be and this is how the fashion industry is and it's like i'm sure that's just one aspect it's like with any other thing like um with comics and art there's that aspect but then the most people are just doing what they need to do yeah uh, it's great. I don't know. I don't <laughs> terrible <laughs> tangent that I don't want to continue on. Okay, sorry. We can move on. Yeah. Um, uh, did you do you ever do like uh, or when you started? Was it a lot of uh, mending your own clothes or fixing your own clothes? Like you buy something in a store and then adjust it, tweak it a little bit. Uh, I didn't do so much of that. I used to do a lot of. Well, I still do a lot of thrift shopping. Um, but then I would like resize things or like, uh, if I bought like a dress, I would turn it into like a top and skirt set, things like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've only, um, just recently begun to appreciate the, uh, the art of like hemming, hemming your pants. I, I got my pants hemmed and I was like, wow, these pants fit much better than when I bought them. <laughs> I was like, I gotta start doing this more often. Yeah. It's, it's. Like having something tailored to your body is really nice. Yeah, it is. This looks so much better. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's your show. I always (laughs) have to do that to my my jeans as well. Like uh, I have to take them in at the waist. Is there a, so it's like, is just your color scheme is just shades of pink and occasional black and stuff? Or do you kind of just work openly? I mean, I'm happy for customers to ask for any questions any color that they want um i think like personally i kind of gravitate towards pink so there seems there's a lot of that and i think also a lot of people who like pink follow me because they know that i like pink and it's just 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of people do request black as well. I think a lot of people feel more comfortable wearing black and incorporating that into their wardrobe. So that's why there's a lot of black on my feed as well. Just some customers, yeah, really like that. Uh, it's not really my thing. Hmm. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't. It's not to say I dislike it at all. I'm, it's just like I hadn't even really thought about it until somebody asked me, like, "Oh, can you make something for me in black?" And then I was like, oh, yeah, sure, like, of course, I have no problem with that. And then I guess I posted that one, and then more people were like, oh, you can do black too. Like, I want black. I'm like, okay, I guess like, um, <laughs> guess that's what, some, that's what we do now. <laughs> do, you, um, do, you like, uh, do you like being in front of the camera or being behind the camera more often? Uh, these days, I think I like being behind it a bit more. <laughs> I, I used to – I used to like – doing photo shoots and like when I was in Tokyo I worked for a brand 6% Doki Doki and there we had to like take outfit photos every day so I got very used to just like photos I didn't really like being put on the internet because they'd take like <laughs> one photo and then be like hey that's it that's the photo that's going up today I'm like oh okay here we go <laughs> so I'm pretty comfortable being in front of the camera now I just kind of prefer to be like hidden <laughs> yeah and Obviously, uh, 2015 era, you were doing a lot of the uh, the wild haircuts with the dye jobs and everything. I really, yeah, I was. <laughs> do you miss that or do you feel like you've kind of come a long way since then? Um, I feel like it's not really my style anymore. I kind of miss it some days. Like I miss having like rainbow hair. And I think it's really cool. And every time I see somebody with like really colorful hair, I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. But then... I remember how hard it is to keep and how my sheets were always blue and I'm like, uh, I'm too old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, it, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at your, as I was looking at your feed, it's kind of interesting. Do you ever go, go back and look at your Instagram feed? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. And you can really, really see like the growth and the progress that you've made since those days. Yeah. It's really funny. Especially if you go all the way back, you'll see from like, you know, I think I started Instagram in 2012. And so you really see like a big change into like super like Harajuku, super colorful style. And then like kind of back down into like a, something more toned down and elegant. Yeah. There's, a, <laughs> there's this point where it's like, oh, you have an alien shaved into the back of your head and all these piercings. And <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, working for, six was it 6% Tokidoki? It wasn't Doki Doki, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that had a lot of uh, influence about that lifestyle as well, about how you were yeah. living that time? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like when I started working there, that wasn't really my style at all. And then I think like there was a lot of pressure from the brand as well to kind of fit this image, which, yeah, I mean, like it was a fun time. It was really fun, don't get me wrong, but like it was never really like my style. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems like uh, you're kind of hesitant to say, you enjoyed that time and you kind of don't want to say anything bad about it. <laughs> no, I did enjoy it, but I wouldn't want to go back to it. If that makes sense. It's the kind of, it's like when you look back on your like younger days and you're like, that was fun, but it's, it's, it's for like 24 year old me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> how did, uh, how did you end up at 6% Tokidoki? I ended up there. I, before I moved to Japan, I worked for a company in Sydney called Electric Alice, which has since, closed it's not a thing anymore um but they used to import japanese fashion to 
Australia and sell it here because it was kind of before it was really easy for international shipping and um, to buy things from Japan. There was a big language barrier, so they kind of filled that gap. And they used to work with 6% Doki Doki. They um, imported their things. And so I, and my position at that company was kind of like PR and I did some translation work. So I already knew the managers at Doki Doki and the designer, Sebastian Masuda. So do you, and, do you speak Japanese? Uh, I do. It's because oh, okay. <laughs> since I moved back to Australia, it's become a bit rusty. Like I'm a bit hesitant to use it these days, but yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, then when I moved to Japan, um, I was still in touch with them and they were like, oh, we want to hire a foreigner um, because we have a lot of foreign fans. And I was like, cool. So yeah, I just started working there. Mm, that's pretty cool. How did you like the culture there? Like, uh, was it a huge difference from what you were used to? Do you mean the, the company culture or the, the Japanese? The Japanese culture. Or were you able to appreciate much of it? No, I think it was it was fine. Like at that point, I'd already I did a high school exchange in Japan as well, so I lived there already for a little while. Oh, okay. And so I kind of was already I knew what to expect before I moved over there, so I didn't really have that much culture shock. I think like getting used to Japanese working environment was a little bit strange. Oh, why? How so? Uh, the, like the kind of like expectations of you, even like outside of the job are quite high like the kind of um you know what you post on social media and you know the kind of image you portray is oh, kind of wow. like linked linked to the company always so so you have to keep this congruency of personality throughout everything yeah a little bit which i didn't i didn't have too much trouble with because on my social media i don't really like to share that much about my personal life anyway like i keep it pretty um professional but um mm -hmm. or I try to <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah I think there was definitely like that kind of pressure to to portray this image wow yeah I um my dad used to work or he still works for well he works for a company we'll just put it that way and he would go to Japan for meetings and stuff and one day and I was about 14 so I was mm -hmm. he took me with him so I I only got to experience like the vacationers Japan which was okay. pretty exciting for a 14 year old. And I was there for 10 days. So I really didn't get the full scope of life in Japan. So I'm kind of interested uh, of how other people see it. So that's pretty good. Like a working, like what you did, you uh, talking about how you have to kind of manage your, the perception, public perception of you through work and then through everything yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. I feel like I, I kind of understand it. Um, because obviously like my brand and my image are very tied together as well. So I do, you know, obviously I want to portray a good image online. I don't think, like, I mean, there's nothing that I'm trying to hide anyway. It's more just, um, yeah, I, keep... <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. It makes perfect sense. I also don't really like, I don't want anyone to like, kind of like find where I live or like things like that. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've read those stories too. <laughs> Uh, I doubt that anyone's trying to find out, but you know, just in the off chance that they are, yeah. <laughs> try to keep, there's keep always like that rule of thumb where like, if you, if you have haters, you know, you made it. If people are <laughs> saying things about you, you didn't, I don't have haters yet. So I, I'm oh. almost there. 
<laughs> I don't think I have haters. If I do, if I do, they're keeping to themselves, which I really appreciate. But um, and that's the thing too. I can't understand how like what you're putting out is totally positive, totally constructive, very just very positive very good and I, I can't see how someone like you would have anybody who dislikes what you're doing environmentally conscious babes it's completely versatile <laughs> thank you it's something there for everyone i hope so i hope that everybody feels seen by what i do but you know yeah. i i feel like it, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happens on the internet that doesn't make any sense and <laughs> I mean, pers actually, personally, I've never experienced any like significant kind of internet hate, which I, I'm really happy about. But I have had friends who've had like pretty serious things happen, and just like I, f I find it just so like kind of heartbreaking in a way because I don't, I don't feel like anybody who's like a who's that kind of person on the internet. I don't know. Do they actually mean to like hurt people or? Yeah, I don't really understand the the psychology behind it. Yeah, it's um, it's such um, a yeah, childish kind of get a, getting a rise, looking for attention, and as generic as that sounds, that's essentially what it really boils down to. Yeah, it's something within them that I think it's yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that people feel that they need to do that. But anyway, it's the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's this right. There's this old saying that I heard like secondhand from this guy who I consider my guru, Duncan Trussell, he likes to say it a lot. It's tend mm -hmm. to the part of the garden that you can touch. And so it's like, yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but uh, when it comes to spirituality, because I think that's a Buddhist saying. Yeah. Do, do you practice any spirituality, religion, or magic? <laughs> no, I don't. I, um, I, you know, I like to share the old Zodiac meme with my friends. <laughs> you know, make fun of make fun of myself as a Pisces, but um, <laughs> I don't really, yeah, I don't really um adhere to any kind of spiritual thing. That's good. That's probably total freedom right there. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like people should be free to practice or not practice whatever they like. Yeah, uh, then that's really hard for because uh, I'm a I'm a Mormon, a Latter Day Saint, okay. and oh, yeah. it's it's really um. They're like, you got to convert everybody. You got to convert. It's like, but this religion isn't for everybody. So mm. like, not everybody's going to like, I, I guess I'm just a, a man crying in the wilderness preaching that as opposed to trying to convert everybody to the gospel. So it never really made sense to me that, but I mean, for, you know, I, I read something really interesting recently that was talking about how like, um, that kind of conversion, like the push to convert people within religion actually isn't in the interest of converting people, but in the interest of like making that bond stronger with the people who are already in the religion. Because, you know, if you, uh, for example, Mormons, you have to do your one year where you go around. Uh, it's it's one year for women, two years for men. Okay. I heard that that's like, you know, you go around to all these houses and you get rejected and rejected by all everybody else in society and then you go back to you know your home friends and they welcome you back and you feel a stronger bond there because you're welcomed and you're rejected by everyone like i have a really <laughs> interesting perspective that i read on it i was like oh i'd never thought of that how it, it creates this much stronger bond within the community that that pers yeah that is interesting i've never really looked at it that way um but my counter to that <laughs> and i'm not trying to contradict you is that 
I've noticed that a lot of missionaries coming back tend oh. to tend to just like within years they fall away. And it's like, oh, really? yeah, it's like this huge epidemic that's happening in the church and the church is trying to address it. But mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, it's very cultish. Really? Yeah, no, I mean, that... I have, I'm, I can't speak on it really because I am very much an outsider who's just kind of read something on the internet and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But right. um, so yeah. See, and sometimes that's what it takes. It takes somebody from the outside to look in and be like, huh, this is what you guys are doing. Oh, okay. Right. It's interesting um, that it, that people are falling away, though. Yeah, it's um, I don't, I wouldn't say unfortunate. I guess it's good because um, I grew up in the church, and it's oh. basically the only thing I know. So when I was a teenager, I kind of started doing the whole, okay, well, what else is out there? What's this about? Yeah. What's that? And so I started exploring and then experimenting and then learning about other things. And there was an uh, incredible circumstances that really brought me back to the church. And it brought me back to the church with, I think, an even greater understanding of what what it, what gospel or what religion really should be, as opposed mm-hmm. to what they're pushing it as. And I think it's um it's all real, really just personal. That's why I could say like, I don't think um it's for everyone, but I do think it's for me. No, it's really good that you had that opportunity to kind of explore and like work it out for yourself. Because I feel like a lot of people don't get that chance. Yeah. Or don't even have, you know, don't think critically to to do that, and don't also have the support. Yeah. So it's great that you're able to do that and come to that conclusion. It is, but uh, uh, enough about me. Let's let's keep <laughs> let's keep talking about you. Um, okay. Since we're on the subject of religion, uh. Aliens seems to be like a common theme, alien space, NASA, that yeah, you've yeah. had. How do you feel like how do you feel about all that? Uh I'm very interested in astrophysics and like uh, cosmology. So the the universe and how the universe came to be and in particular like since I was a child I've always been like very interested and confused about like the boundaries of space and the boundaries of the universe. Yeah. Like of space time as well. Um, so it is something I've always been really curious about. And when I was, when I was deciding what to do with my life, I kind of like put all of my, I think it works differently in Australia, how our university system works. Basically we decide like what course we're going to do like straight up. We don't just kind of go to college and then decide after doing a few different things. We, we, you kind of decide when you leave high school, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to go and study to be an engineer. I'm going to go study to be an artist or, you know, whatever. Man, that would be nice. I wish, I wish it was like that here. I, oh, really? Life would be much easier, but here you got to go. You got to do all these prerequisites. You got to do all these classes you don't want to do. And if uh, you're lucky, then you find something, you either go in knowing that you're going to get through all this and then you're going to mm-hmm. achieve what you want, or you're going to go and do all that and hopefully find what you want. Yeah. I think, I think both systems have their pros and cons here. Like here it's kind of bad because there's, you know, it's like, what are you going to do with your life? Decide right now. And then like, that's yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know. And for me, like I was one of the people who didn't really know. So I kind of just had like art, science, art, science, art, science, like in as my preferences of what I did. And I was kind of like, I'll just roll the dice of fate. see. <laughs> <laughs> see what I get. So if yeah. I had, I guess if I had gotten into a science degree, then I would have studied physics. Um, mm. so it's something that I, 
Sorry, do kinda... we, are you doing a lot of the uh the science study outside of uh school? Or were um, you able to do some of that during school? I mostly studied outside of school, like it's just a hobby hobby interest. I'm kind of glad that things ended up this way. I think it's probably better for me and I'm probably better at the creative things than science, but I'm glad it can be like a hobby and just like interest in space. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So you wouldn't uh you wouldn't subscribe to the flat earth theory? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I I heard a very, very convincing podcast the other day and I was like, you know what? And I was yeah. like, no, stop right there. Stop right there. The earth is round. <laughs> it's just it's so crazy. It's like, man, like how how did this rise just suddenly it seemed like it just came out of left field and suddenly everybody's like, Flat Earth. Yeah, it's kind of it's funny, right? Because, you know, a while back everybody believed that and then everybody stopped believing it and then now everyone's believing it again. It's uh... yeah. It's a, a time flows like a river, and history repeats <laughs> itself. And we never learn. We never learn. That's no, the problem. That's very evident right now. <laughs> yeah. So do you um does uh does the what is it like eighty percent of the Earth we haven't we haven't explored? I mean, the the ocean. Yeah. Does that kind of intrigue you, or is space is just really really that fascinating? You know, it it does I feel bad when I do think about it that way, like we have all of this unexplored territory. <laughs> but I yeah, I'm really curious because I feel like, you know, the properties that are on Earth, like we already kinda understand in a way, whereas like how like different planets are formed and like that kind of thing is still like a mystery. Well not it's not a mystery, but like it has this like certain curiosity about it. Yeah. But, I don't feel like exists still on Earth. Yeah, and I, with with the um, when you're looking at space and when you're contemplating the universe, there's this old esoteric saying that's uh, "as above, so below," mm -hmm. and which kind of is like um, everything is a reflection. So I was thinking mm -hmm. like the whole universe is a reflection of ourselves. And one day I was like thinking about our eyes because I saw a picture of there's I think there was a meme or something where it was like either yeah. like a picture of an eye or a galaxy is it the picture of an eye or a galaxy and i was yeah. looking at that i was like that's insane because your eye is like a black hole it just sucks in light like there's light doesn't escape it it just sucks mm -hmm. it all in just like a black hole does so we're that's basically showing like that's kind of a bringing making true the as above so below so in space there's these things that suck in light suck in matter and our yeah. eyes are a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. That's right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, silly things like that kind of trip me out. Yeah, I like those kind of comparisons. Mm -hmm. cool. I like I like that like a lot of internet culture and like things like that have made people more interested in science as well. Like I think that that's really cool. It's like it's great that the internet has that kind of power to generate curiosity that otherwise might not be there, or to like share like all of this information with people like. I don't know. I think it's great. Yeah, it is. Bringing it back down to earth. You really <laughs> like gardening? I do like gardening, yes. I think I think it's very rewarding to keep something alive. Yes, I agree. 100%. I had some plants on my drawing table here that they started out as like a couple leaves and a stem. 
And yeah. this was at the beginning of summer. And by the end of summer, these things are like, I got to repot them or else they're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is very exciting when you see, like, they have a new leaf or, you know, especially yeah. in summer, they grow so much. Like, down here in Australia, we're just coming out of winter. So all my plants, like, we're in spring at the moment, and all my plants are kind of just, like, getting new leaves, and they're all looking really happy. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. They're growing so much. Uh, and those new leaves are so <laughs> shiny. Like, when you look at them, they're, like, so fresh and so shiny. You're like, oh, it's like a like a newborn baby or something. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you're reaching for the light yeah it's great that's what's uh what are your favorite plants to work with um the moment like my favorite plant is a monstera that mm. i've got it, i think i like i've put it in a few of my photos already because i'm like oh look <laughs> at it it's so pretty um i really like star wars so i named it han solo because <laughs> uh the like the nickname for monstera plants is uh like a swiss cheese plant because they have all the holes in it and like oh hans is like a swiss name and i like star wars so he can be han solo <laughs> <laughs> i like how you, you put um just like with strawberry skies you kind of associate two things in, a, in, a, in a, an interesting way yeah <laughs> i think my brain works in a funny way like that sometimes that is and it it's all the better for us because without that we there wouldn't be any of anything that you're giving or any of this creativeness. I guess. <laughs> but you also, um, I remember watching one of your, uh, your stories and yeah. you were planting, you were using, um, styrofoam. Yeah. Um, that was actually my mom's idea. <laughs> she, she told me to do that because I don't know the same reason i guess of instead of rocks and also because it use, then you use less soil mm -hmm. in the pot it's often like the pot you're using is like a lot bigger and you don't want to put that much soil in it so it's better to just yeah put something to, in the bottom to fill it out a bit yeah that's very and once again going with the uh re oh, what's the word it just escaped my mind kind of like the reuse reduce re repurpose there you go yeah repurposing something that is otherwise just going to get tossed in the trash yeah um i i kind of like hate styrofoam so i guess it's good to have some kind of use for it <laughs> yeah as a uh, as annoying as it is when you break it up and you got those little flakes just floating around yeah yeah that's cool yeah i, I really do you um do any vegetable gardening gardening no at the moment i don't have like an outdoor space in my apartment mm. so I have, there's not really any opportunity to do that. Um, I'd like to one day. Yeah. I bought this. Um, it was like a tabletop kit where you can grow cherry tomatoes in a jar. And I managed to grow the the plants themselves, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. they didn't grow any tomatoes. That's a shame. Yeah. It was really sad. And then I've been trying to grow a garden for like the last three years. It's like, okay, this mm -hmm. year we're going to garden. And so we'll, we'll get the yard ready. And if, uh, embarrassingly, uh, the last I'm getting better every year. The, there's the plants are getting better and better, but we we haven't harvested anything. What kind of plants do you have in the garden? Uh, we had tomatoes. I was really hungry for like bell peppers, so I planted a ton of bell peppers, oh, red okay. bell peppers, green, or like just any kind, any kind I could get my hands on. Yeah, and I have nothing to show for it. I don't know. Yeah. So I wonder if it's 
I wonder if it's like the climate or the soil or I'm starting to think it's the soil. I gotta I gotta start really working on that better. Fertilize it or Yeah, doing something. It has a huge effect sometimes. It's crazy how you know just the soil can affect the growth of plants so much. Yeah. Um, with, uh, let's, let's take it back to your brand and, uh, you as, as the, uh, kind of the spokesperson for it. And mm-hmm. do you feel like, um, like a leader amongst women in, with what you're doing or do you not even consider it? Um, I don't really think of myself as like a leader or anything like that. I feel like I'm really lucky and I have like a lot of really inspiring women around me. Mm-hmm. but uh i feel like it's, it's more of like a community thing and like i'm not really somebody who wants to be like a leader i'd rather be somebody who empowers other women if that makes sense yeah that um, makes perfect sense and that's and funny enough those this type of mentality is usually the people who kind <laughs> of need to be in those roles <laughs> yeah maybe yeah but i mean i'm um, not, not to put any pressure on you or to make like <laughs> to pigeonhole you in some weird way <laughs> but i just think it's interesting because um there's this huge push and i i feel it especially because i have three daughters um yeah. one of and um when two of them were kind of young there was this huge push and there's kind of the push has kind of died down but there was this huge push for girls not to be girls but to they can do just as good as boys yeah so um surprisingly they're not as girly and then i had my third daughter and she is super girly mm-hmm. so it's like wow how do i how do like she what you- yeah what do i like how do i how do i justify this that i have two girls who are kind of rugged one of them's like pretty much a cowboy girl or, or cowgirl mm-hmm. <laughs> she's uh she's very country let's put it that way right and then my uh my second daughter is um really independent kind of on the emo side of things Mm -hmm. so she wears black a lot um listens to 21 pilots Uh, not that that's a bad thing i she got me into 21 pilots i've taken her to several of their concerts great stuff yeah yeah and then we got the super girly daughter who's like princess pink and all this and so it's like wow it's it's, um you're just collecting all the varieties of girls (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not trying to but and i'm like i don't i guess i have had an influence in some weird way but we don't really push anything on them right so it's neat it's nice and it's refreshing when like i i look at strawberry skies design and i follow you and i watch i look through your feet and i'm like wow this is this is it's okay it's okay to be yeah this it's something that i've like dealt with a lot um Especially like when I was in university and like in the arts department, there was, there is kind of like this push against like things that are like feminine or girly being like of less value. Um, And I had a lot of like um, art tutors and people saying like, oh, your work doesn't have enough substance. Like it's, you know, there's nothing to it. It's just girly. And I was like, that's the exact reason like why it has substance and why it's important is because you're just denouncing it because it's something that's feminine like if it was a masculine sub subject mm-hmm. matter then it would have value like and like there there has been this really big push not like 
not more recently, like I think there is like this movement more against it, but like a few years back there was this thing where like, you know, oh, feminine, like feminine things are bad and like you're just doing it for the male gaze and like, and now there is this like counter movement of like, no, like it's okay to be girly just because you like it and it's okay for anybody to be girly. Like I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter just recently the other day and they said something like, um, oh, I don't wear women's clothing. And I was like, well, I don't really think that the clothing I make are women. It's not women's clothing. It's just feminine clothing. Like anybody can wear it if they want to look, mm. like, look like that. Or yeah. I don't, I feel like it's like femininity or like things that are girly shouldn't be just reserved for girls. It should just be like another aesthetic that is an option for anybody. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I like, I kind of like what you're saying because it's, um, the feminine and masculine isn't binary. It's not either or. Yeah. There's percentages okay. of maybe you're a little bit feminine and you're very masculine, or maybe you're very masculine and a, did I, I think I just put that the same way. But there's a little. <laughs> there, it, it's the the idea of duality. You need yeah. both because that would make you having a balance makes you a good person like that. Having that yeah. soft touch or that soft voice doesn't make you weak just makes you a better person. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I think it is important to be able to have that kind of, like there are some like fem, like typically feminine traits that I think could be like important for everyone to have like things like empathy and, mm -hmm. you know, that like have in the past been considered like a weakness, but actually like it's something that's like quite strong. In a yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, um, my wife uh, is, very feminine yeah. at times she can be masculine and that's when we all get scared <laughs> but she we all we all know she's the heart of our home like wherever she is that's where our home is because she's the heart and oh, wonderful. that doesn't make her weak and her being a fem like super feminine doesn't make her weak in fact it's really what makes us all stronger yeah, she's like the the glue that holds you all together. She has to yes, <laughs> yeah. be pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, um, it's weird. I think like the internet kind of opened this Pandora's box that took uh, we saw from like 2000 till about I think now it's finally starting to stabilize. Mm -hmm. So it's with all those movements, all the uh, the ideas that people were just trying to understand and trying to get out there and now we're seeing everything finally coming to a level that we can all finally agree on yeah it is kind of nice that that all of these people are having the opportunity to be heard as well and that like we can kind of um fast track becoming <laughs> a better society in a way yeah because without the internet like you know we'd still have so many you know like race and gender issues that weren't being addressed in such like a radical you know fast way yeah it's it has brought out like the worst in people but also the best in people in, in a way yeah that's 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 pretty that's that's real right there yeah so um in in all of this who have some of your role models been that have kind of made you who you are today um, this question is really difficult for me because I, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, 
I can't, it's like so hard to like kind of pinpoint like individuals. And you don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. I don't want to like, I don't want to leave anybody out or like say the wrong person or something. Um, and, and like really like the, the well, I mean, there like, really can be no wrong answer. Yeah. I think it's more like, Oh, I don't want to like leave somebody out. And also like, I feel like there's not, yeah, there aren't really like individuals so much. It's just like, I am really inspired by those kind of like internet movements or like fashion movements and things more than just like one or two kind of people. And also a lot of my work's really inspired by like uh, mythology and mythical creatures and that kind of thing as well. I kind of live in a little bit of a fantasy world that doesn't have like real human influences. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. wow, that's, that's kind of an interesting topic. Uh, your work is influenced through like myth and fantasy. Yeah, a little bit. What are some of your favorite myths? Uh, I really like fairies. Um, mm. And like a lot of the like vintage fairy uh, illustrations I find really inspiring. Um, I, I really like Tolkien's work. So all of the Lord of the Rings, I keep the Silmarillion next to my bed. Um. <laughs> There's, I had an interesting idea the other day. I was thinking and I was like, um, I was, oh no, it was when I was watching Hellboy 2 and they were talking okay. about how the races of old were fighting against human race and how all of a sudden um, there's no more, like we don't have any fairies, we don't have any elves, we don't have any dwarves. And I was yeah. like, what if were those races of old, we just forgot that we were? Like I'm, I'm uh, from Mexican descent, so I'm like, what if Mexicans and, and the Hispanic and Latin people we're like the dwarves because we're kind of earthy type people. And I, and I was, they just kind of took me on a weird little path. It's kind of interesting to think about like where all these myths came from, like what, um, yeah, like what inspired them? Because if you kind of look at different cultures, they all have like similar, there are similarities. Between... Oh yeah. That's the thing that drives me crazy. It's like, how <laughs> is it all? It seems like I've started. Did... Yeah. The yeah. constellations, how did they kind of all agree that, this set of constellations was going to be this thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's fun, and, and I could see how like the um, the fairy kind of uh, whimsy, wispy type really plays <laughs> out in your your the the outfits that you make. Yeah, like I'm, I kind of have this thing when I'm designing is that I want people to like feel beautiful like inside and out. And I don't want it to just be like clothes that you just put on because you like going wherever. Like I wanted you to like put it on and like feel really good about yourself. And I think that's also one reason that I want to incorporate this kind of like really like ethical and sustainable aspect because I feel like if your clothes are kind of like made in an unethical way or something, then you can't really feel that good about wearing them. Yeah. And so I really want people to be able to put them on and like feel like really good about themselves but also yeah have this kind of like fantasy aspect to it of like they can transform into like the like fairy or like nymph or goddess or whatever that they envision themselves to be like i want it to be kind of like a, a suit of armor against like the harsh realities of the world in a way at least like that's kind of like how i feel like if i put on like one of my designs i'm like i feel really good about myself and I don't know, like, I remember when I first started wearing, like, Japanese fashion, like, kawaii styles and Lolita, I would go outside and I'd feel, like, so, like, scared that people were, like, 
looking at me. Whereas like nowadays, if I put on one of my designs, I go outside and I'm like, you can like, you know, I'm not that scared of people looking at me because I feel really good about myself in this, like, I don't know. No, that's <laughs> now, um, earlier with spirituality, religion and magic. Yeah. You said you didn't really partake in any of those, but that sounds extremely <laughs> magical to me. Like you are, you're trying to create <laughs> magical clothes like like the like uh what is it sakura magical the magical girl oh uh, the anime yeah i haven't watched it oh man but it, it's like what you just said made me like for some reason think of that like you're creating magical girls i guess so yeah i hope so i hope people feel that way that's cool <laughs> i really like that that's so ah uh, that's so like uh, for lack of a better word it's so magical <laughs> i love it <laughs> I hope so. Um, I Yeah, it's funny that you say that it's like kind of like magic, I guess, like for me, like because I don't like believe in like magic magic. I think that you have to create your own magic in mm -hmm. the world, like with what, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's what you're doing. <laughs> that is so neat. Wow. Um, is there anything uh, at work? Where can people find you like on the Internet? On the internet, you can find my brand at Strawberry Skies Design. It's the same on Facebook and Instagram. And then my URL is also just strawberryskiesdesign.com. And my Twitter is at Manon Marguerite. And then my personal Instagram is also at Manon Marguerite. Nice. Oh, man. Thank you so much for talking with me. I'm, I'm... Well, thank you, Michael. episode of the Neon Neuron Podcast, and I would encourage you to check out our past episodes as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the uh, to the podcast. Check us out on NeonNeuron.com. You can follow me on Neon Neuron. That's on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Tumblr. I believe everywhere good neurons are sold. Also, I do a Twitch stream every morning at about 9.30, and it's usually just me building paper crafts and talking about stuff that I really don't understand. Also, remember to check out Manon Marguerite at Manon Marguerite on Instagram and visit her, her web shop, strawberryskiesdesign.com. And the last thing I want to remind you, neurons that fire together wire together. Until next time.